Welcome back to Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Transitioning out of the military can bring some unique challenges that you may not have anticipated. Things like a gap in health insurance coverage, the logistics of relocation, and potentially taking a pay cut can catch many transitioning service members by surprise. Today I'm talking with Amy West, a Navy veteran and Orion recruiter, about some of those frequently overlooked topics. Our list of the seven things I wish I had known when leaving the military will cover what Amy learned during her own transition and her advice for other transitioning service members. If you're listening to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud, make sure you subscribe and share with a friend. We'd love to get your feedback, so make sure you give us a rating. If you have any questions about this interview or topics for a future podcast, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Hey, Amy, welcome to the show. Hey, Megan, thank you for having me. Of course, I'm excited to talk with you today. I know as um, a military recruiting firm, we hear a lot from candidates on things that maybe they wish that they had known before transitioning out of the military. And um, from my understanding, you are somewhat recently transitioned out of the military, so I'm thinking you might be able to provide some really good insight here. But before we get into um, you know, some of the things that we wish we had known, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I am a former Navy gas turbine electrician. I served on active duty for five years on the USS Bulkley and separated as an E-5. I really loved my time in the Navy, but the heavy seashore rotation just wasn't a good lifestyle for my family, so I made the decision to transition. And my transition was relatively easy compared to most people's, probably because I have to have plans to function. I went to (laughs) TGPS twice once about a year out from my EAOS, and again, four months out from the start of my terminal leave. And even though I got started so early, transitioning was so much more work than I'd ever imagined it would be. Like the medical appointments, getting my benefits lined up, and making sure all of my qualifications were up to date was a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, and it sounds like you're saying you even got a head start on it. So I'm sure for, you know, some people are more procrastinators. I'm sure sometimes it can just hit you all at once. Yes, I can imagine it would be really hard if you were trying to do everything within a month or two. Definitely. So you said you served five years on active duty and then um, you joined Orion back in November, right? Yes. So one day before my terminal leave was right about to begin, I received an email from Orion about an open recruiting position, and I got really excited. I showed my husband as soon as he got home from work, and I said, this is it. This job is perfect for me. I can make a living while I make a difference, and I can work for a company that changes lives. So I sent my resume in, I began the interview process the next week, and everybody that I talked to and interviewed here at Orion was just so happy, and they seemed like they loved their job so much, and they said the best part was getting to talk to the candidates every day. So I had some other offers on the table, but most of them were for tech jobs, and I wasn't too keen on accepting them. So when I got the call from Mike Wooster, my current boss, I was absolutely ecstatic. And fast forward four months later, here I am. You know, that's really awesome, Amy, because I've seen we've had um, like technicians from the military in the past come and be recruiters here. And I think a lot of times when a transitioning service member is thinking about what am I going to do after I get out of the military, a lot of times someone with a technical background would you know, seamlessly transition into a technical role outside of the military. But obviously, you know, you and your background and your 
story here is just proof that you don't have to be limited to what you did in the military. You really can choose to do anything that you want to do. That is so true. There's a world of possibilities open. Awesome. Okay, so I'm sure based on what you shared already, you've got a lot of insight here to give some of our listeners. So I want to run through the list of things. Um, so the things that I wish I known when transitioning out of the military, these are some things that I've found online on various articles, um, people just sharing, you know, their own perspective. But I've compiled a list of the ones that I think are the best. And so I want to get your take on some of these as well. Okay, great. Okay, so the first one we're going to talk about is considering the cost of leaving the military. So can you talk about some of the hidden costs and things that people maybe wouldn't think about until maybe it's too late? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are a lot of misconceptions about the cost of transitioning into the civilian world. And it's really easy to take for granted all the benefits you get in the military, like your untaxed income, such as your housing allowance, the very inexpensive health care you receive, and, and your food allowance. All of that untaxed income really helps beef up your paycheck every week. And you don't really think about not getting those things until you look at your paycheck as a civilian and you say, wow, there's a really big difference. So my advice for transitioning service members is to get started early. So make a household budget based on your current active duty income and itemize it to include every single planned weekly, monthly, and yearly expense, as well as what you spend on things like entertainment, dates, groceries, those non-essential expenses. And figure out how much money you need to maintain your current lifestyle. Then once you have a good snapshot of what you need to maintain your lifestyle right now, Figure out what things aren't necessary, what little expenses you could cut out here and there, and make a budget with just the necessities, like your rent, mortgage, utilities, groceries, car payments, things that you have to pay each month, and find out how much income you actually need to survive. Then, I would recommend estimating the cost of things like healthcare when you get out. Do you have kids? Are you single? Do you have a family member that has special needs or chronic illness? and research where you want to go once you're out of the military. Choose your top five locations and research the state and local tax rates on income, property, and sales tax to give you a good idea of how much it will cost to live there and apply those rates to your current income. I think that research is the key to a successful transition. You know, I know also, Amy, that there are some resources available. Were there any that helped you out? I mean, some some that I'm thinking about just off the top of my head are like the military wallet or the military guide. Um, did you utilize anything like that or do you hear from candidates that are utilizing any type of um, resources that are helping them with the financial transition? Personally, I utilize fleet and family almost excessively, to be honest. Um, I made multiple appointments, and I had their professional, well-volunteer financial planners draw very extensive budgets for me, and I had them do, like I said before, my current income, my projected, my base necessities, and they did a really good job of breaking it down into easy-to-read graphs and charts so I could track my income. Um, I also used apps like Mint, and that was pretty much all I used. 
I don't really hear that much from candidates about what sort of financial tools they used when getting out, but that's a good question to ask, and I'm going to start asking them. Well, I just think that it's, you know, it's interesting that, you know, like we're saying, you have so many resources that are available to you. So, you know, you want to make sure that you're taking advantage of them in advance, like it sounds like you did. Yes, starting early is definitely one of the most important things you can do to help yourself succeed in your transition. Mm -hmm. And I think that advice probably carries over into the rest of the list here that we'll discuss, too. Um, so moving on to the next one is the importance of self-knowledge in your job search. So, you know, I know that you went from being a technician in the military to then becoming a recruiter at Orion. So I'm curious if that's something that you ever would have seen yourself doing and if that's something that you kind of had to sit down and say, um, you know, like, what is it that's going to drive me in my civilian career? Um, so really, I just want you to talk a little bit about kind of how to research yourself and determine what your key drivers are. Okay, I'm, that's a great question. I think before you get out, you should do some serious soul searching and research yourself. So if you want, just a suggestion, take a sheet of paper and write out your biggest motivators. Do you want lots of money? Do you want quality time at home with your family? What is important to you? And then identify your biggest marketable strengths and how your strengths will tie into your biggest motivators. And when I say strengths, I don't necessarily mean like hobbies. I mean like skills that employers will pay money for and figure out how those identify with your biggest motivators. Find your most marketable skill set and then research the typical compensation for that skill set in your top five locations. Google is definitely your friend during the transition process. Yeah, and you know, another piece of this also is once you do figure out, um, you know, like what your key drivers are and what you're after, um, then there's also the aspect of learning how to sell yourself as well. Absolutely. Learning how to sell yourself is so important, and it makes me really sad when I run across candidates who have incredible skill sets, and yet they can't find a good job because they just don't know how to translate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we'll cover this a little bit later when we talk um, more about kind of, you know, getting into the civilian world and understanding your value there. So we'll speak to that one a little bit later. Um, but a lot of it is that, yeah, a lot of these employers, they do want to hire military veterans and um, they do value the experience that you bring to the table. But they might interview a different veteran that also brings all of those skills to the table and might be a little bit better at selling themselves. So um, that one is definitely key. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Okay. So now I want to talk a little bit about the process and typical timeline. So I know you've reiterated a couple of times that it, how important it is to start preparing early, but do you think that veterans are for the most part surprised at how long the process is or I don't know, it's probably different for everyone, but I guess maybe if you could talk through what you see as the typical process and timeline. So the typical process and timeline definitely varies from person to person. Some people plan on getting out and others are thrown into situations where they have a month or two months to prepare before they getting out before they get out. So the transition process is going to differ based on how much time and how much notice you have before your end of active service. 
So if you have a lot of time and you know that you're not planning to re-enlist or you're even on the fence, it's important to start early. So two years out from transitioning, yes, two years, I recommend taking a very serious look at your finances because that is definitely the highest cause of stress among transitioning service members. I talked to candidates every day who are so stressed out, they don't know how they're going to make ends meet once that paycheck stops. So if you have a lot of debt, develop a payoff plan, utilizes the resources that the military gives you, such as financial planners and zero interest loans. The less debt you have when you get out, the better, and that's going to set you up for success. Once you have your debt squared away, save as much as possible and begin researching jobs. That would probably be about the one-year mark. Okay, so you don't have debt, you're saving, start researching yourself and researching positions. Attend TGPS, get your benefits in order, and research training programs and perks that are available to you. And there are a lot of programs I know about now that would have been very beneficial to me if I had known about them a year ago. Um, yeah, would you mind sharing what some of those programs are to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So there are several different um, technical programs offered through local schools here in Hampton Roads that I would have liked to attend. One of them was the Solar Ready Vets program. There was also a, um, I want to say like a natural gas training program that was available. Very marketable skill sets right now, but by the time that I found out about them, it was too late for me to go. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like a lot of it is just knowing what resources are available to you while you're in service. Yes. And if you, you know, if you have a transition coach at your command, that's great. Definitely go talk to them. But a lot of the smaller commands aren't fortunate enough to have someone on site who specializes in helping their service members get out of the Navy. So find a mentor or reach out to your friends who have gotten out and ask them for advice. And definitely start working on your resume up to a year out from transitioning. You can use your evals, your I Love Me binder, and sample resumes to help you, as well as fleet and family support centers. Whatever you do, do not wait until the last minute to start your resume. And if you want, you can make multiple versions geared towards different types of positions. And that's, I think that's really good advice, too, because I think a lot of candidates come across like a situation where they do feel like um, they have to, you know, make several versions of their resume. So it's better to do that ahead of time versus when you see a job you want to apply to and then taking, you know, several days to a week to update your resume. It's better to just get that out of the way, like kind of at the beginning. Absolutely. And a resume seems like such a simple thing to write, but it can really be daunting. And your resume is a snapshot of you. So you want it to represent you well, and you want it to be well written, easy to read. And it's surprising how hard it can be to condense your experience into a sheet of paper or two that tells an employer, hey, hire me. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so moving on, I will preface the next one with um, the fact that, like I said, I've gathered most of these from um, lists that I found online. So this one is not just to plug Orion in here, but there are certainly benefits to working with military recruiting firms. So um, just to hear from your own personal experience and then also as a recruiter, what do you think some of the biggest benefits there are? Well, 
I think working with a recruiting firm like Orion has just innumerable benefits. And I think that it's often undervalued. Many employers want to hire veterans, but it's hard for them to understand how your military training translates to their specific industries. But since Orion recruiters or military recruiters in general are primarily (laughs) former active duty military, and we have staff from every branch, we can help bridge the gap from the military to the civilian world. We work as advocates for you during your job search, whether it's resume help or advice. And Orion account executives have direct relationships with the hiring managers we work with every day. We act as sort of matchmakers and we have access to positions that aren't listed publicly on Indeed.com or Monster Boards. Actually, according to a survey conducted by LinkedIn.com, 85% of all jobs are filled via networking, and we sort of do the networking for you through decades of relationship building with top companies. Well, you know, I like the um, matchmaking analogy because I think that's so accurate. It's um, a lot of times, like you said, maybe sometimes the jobs aren't even posted. So instead of just getting on and looking for the jobs that are posted, whether it's on LinkedIn, Monster, Indeed, wherever you're finding your positions, rather than doing that, you're really able to get like the face-to-face time in like a direct line to the employers. Yes, exactly. We do the grunt work for you. Um, So Amy, when you started, I know you said you got an email from Orion, but you had several other offers on the table. So um, I think I may have asked you this before. Maybe I have not asked you this, but did you get those offers through Orion or were those ones that you had gotten on your own? I actually got them on my own. Um, I had been approached by private recruiters for a couple different industries, mainly marine gas turbine industries like Huntington Ingalls and some of the other companies who specialize in gas turbine engines. And Mm -hmm. they had reached out to me. And even though I knew that I didn't really want to work for them, I still went through process anyway, because like many people getting out, I was concerned about financial stress and what my financial situation would be when I got out. I think, um, you know, just then kind of relating that story back to what you were saying about working with the recruiting firm, I think it just gives you a lot more options and it kind of opens up your eyes to maybe different industries or positions that you wouldn't have considered before. Absolutely. There's so much more out there than I think a lot of veterans realize, and they have more options than ever before. Definitely. So I alluded to this next one a little bit before in terms of understanding your value to a civilian employer. Um, You know, like I said, we all know that a lot of civilian employers do want to hire military veterans, but a lot of times veterans might not have a realistic expectation of what types of roles they would be a good fit for, or um, even using like, for instance, you know, in the military, you've got clearly defined career progression and rank structure. It's not like that in the civilian world. So can you talk through that one a little bit? Yeah. So it's very important for you to understand your value with a civilian employer. And many companies are seeking military talent because service members have a reputation for being trainable and dependable. We know how to learn, we adapt, we follow rules, and we can be on time. So that being said, it's also important to manage your expectations when you're job hunting. 
you may have been a work center supervisor or a leading petty officer in the Navy, but a civilian employer may want you to start at a lower position, prove yourself, and then work your way up. And that can be a hard thing to swallow, especially considering the clearly defined rank structure in the military. The military ranks are like a ladder, and some civilian jobs, like law enforcement, have very similar structures to the military. But a lot of times, the ring structure in a company is not very clearly defined. So it's very important to treat everyone with respect and remember that your new civilian coworkers probably have no idea what being a gunnery sergeant or a petty officer second class means. They just don't have the same frame of reference as you, and to them, you are still the new person. So be patient, <laughs> be kind, and be open to change and adapt. I think that's definitely a good thing to keep in mind. And um, I think some people might come out of the military and, you know, you've you've accomplished so many things and maybe you led people in the military. So you expect to do the same thing in your first civilian career. But it's definitely not always that way. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of times even working with candidates that sometimes your pay is not necessarily exactly what you wanted it to be or directly comparable to what you got in the military, but sometimes it's more about the opportunity and kind of the long-term fit versus what you'll immediately be earning. Sure. And benefits are also very different in the civilian world from the military world. So maybe you're looking at a position that offers lower pay than you were making before, but they offer tuition reimbursement or student loan payoff as a benefit, and that will absorb some of the pay cuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so moving on to the next one is the importance of geographic flexibility. Um, I'm sure you this is something that you discuss with candidates a lot, just because the more flexible you are, the more options you have. Um, so I'd like to hear a little bit more from you on the importance of this. Okay, so being geographically flexible when you're transitioning opens up a lot more options for you. If you have your heart set on a certain major metro area, you might have a relatively easy time finding a job, like if you're an electrician and you want to move to New York City or Cincinnati, Ohio. But if you're geographically flexible, you have more options job-wise and more possibilities will be open to you. It's important not to discount an opportunity just because the location isn't your number one pick, because the pay, the benefits, and the company culture might just be the perfect fit for you and your family. If you it are willing down. to re- I'm sorry, Amy, I was going to say it comes down kind of what you were saying earlier with, um, you know, like writing out your key drivers on a piece of paper. It's, you know, if location is not one of your key drivers, then, yeah, the other things that you mentioned might end up overriding those. Yeah. And when you're getting out of the military, it's really important to keep an open mind because you're in sort of a vulnerable state. You're losing a support system. You're losing your paycheck, your financial security. So be open-minded to opportunities and don't count something out just because you say, well, I've never heard of that place or I've heard bad things about that city. It's very important to be open to every possibility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked a lot about preparing and making sure that you're using your resources while you're still in the military. So if there are candidates who are willing to relocate, do you have any advice for them on what they should do prior to separating to ensure that all of those kind of moving related benefits are ironed out? Sure. 
talk to your household goods office and find out what your military reload package actually covers. And sometimes having a military relocation package can be a good negotiating tool when you're talking to future employers. It's also important to find out how long you have to use your benefits and how far the military will move you. Yes, that is definitely good advice. Okay, so the last one is the importance of establishing an online presence. And I feel like probably at this point, all candidates, I would assume, have some sort of online presence, whether it's their LinkedIn profile. Um, I mean, I, I guess probably everyone has Facebook, but obviously LinkedIn is the professional network. So that's the one that we'll talk about a little bit more here. So can you talk about maybe some just general tips for that in establishing your online presence? Well, I don't think it's possible for me to emphasize enough how important branding yourself and networking is, both online and offline. So step one, if you don't have one already, create a LinkedIn profile. If you're on Facebook, join Facebook groups. There's a lot of them that are rate or community specific for job finding and utilize networking events to establish your online presence. You can connect with a lot of great veteran groups or if you feel led to do so, reach out to an Orion recruiter to discuss your needs. We're all on LinkedIn. Also, don't underplay the advantages of in-person networking. You can go to veteran events at your school or join organizations like the American Legion or Veterans of Foreign Wars, or volunteering can be a great way to network. I started volunteering at the local food bank about a year before I got out of the Navy. And not only was it very rewarding personally, I actually ended up meeting and working with some of the local movers and shakers in my community. And so it's, it's kind of, you know, an online presence is great, but the more you can get in front of someone, the better. Yes. I mean, both are very important. You can't do enough networking online or offline. Both are absolutely essential to a successful transition. Well, awesome. Amy, I appreciate all of the advice. Is there anything else that you want to share to wrap it up? I think that pretty much covers it, unless you have more questions. No, I think that's good, and I look forward to having you on again. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you for having me today. Hope you have a great day, and I hope that this helps somebody out there who's transitioning right now. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond, so make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.